Ravens have been so good for so long that now that they're not making the playoffs very frequently, people are upset. And yeah. you know, it's, you, when you spoil us with being good for so long, when you're not, it's we're not gonna be happy. Give the media a free pizza on Wednesdays, <laughs> and then you look for great stories afterwards. <laughs> exactly. It works every time. So did it work? Ravens Super Bowl 2018. <laughs> <laughs>Welcome into the lounge, all of us, all of you fans out there. This is a big one. It's the fan episode, Garrett. Well, you know, oftentimes we try to figure out who the guest is going to be, and we have conversations about well, should we get this player, this coach, or whatever. And this actually opportunity, I wish we could take credit for it, but we had a little help. Yes. In this regard. It's true. So we have the co-host of the Purple Rain Show at Purple Rain Show, Phil Gentile, with us here in the quote-unquote studio in the lounge in the lounge and he is going to be the the fan representative he's the voice of the fans all right so more, more importantly i got to eat in the cafeteria <laughs> that's, and that's, that's the only reason i'm here i'm, well, I'm gonna leave now <laughs> well that was our, our tactic to butter you up because yeah, yeah. you know we've seen we've seen the anger and the frustration on oh, social yeah. media oh, yeah. fans are a little they're a little cheesed right now and so we figure we bring you in and to butter you up, nothing better. Yep. We, we know, as fellow journalists, yeah. we know the best way to get a good write-up is to feed somebody. Yeah, exactly. Know? I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, teams and organizations have used this trick for years. You give the media free pizza on Wednesdays, <laughs> and then you look for great stories afterwards. <laughs> exactly. It works every time. So did it work? Ravens Super Bowl, 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the, all the Ravens fans voted. We had a, b- a big meeting, and uh, they picked me, so I, I'm glad I'm here, and hopefully I represent them well, you know? <laughs> nice, nice, nice. nice. I, I also want to start talk about your, your Twitter, Twitter handle a little bit. I hate J.J. Redding. Yep. Because... We are definitely in the same boat on that. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that guy. Well, I actually don't hate him anymore. What? I, uh, when I had my old website, which was called IHateJJReddick.com, I yeah. interviewed him. Uh, it was the nicest guy ever. Uh, was I huge, hate when that happens. Huge foodie, and I actually emailed him last week because uh, something came across Twitter where he said he didn't believe in dinosaurs or something. Yeah. So I shot him an email, like, what's uh, just like two words, like, what's up with this man? Yeah. He's like, it was taken out of context. I don't really believe that. I think it was just a joke. Yeah. But uh, he actually emailed me, I think a couple years ago. His wife or his sister was coming to town, wanted some recommendations for crab cakes, so... You sent him over to Johnny's, didn't you? Uh, Jimmy's Seafood, yeah. Jimmy's, yeah, Jimmy's yeah. not yeah, Johnny's. Yeah. Sorry, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's a good, good guy, man. So nice. the Twitter handle grabs people's attention, which is good. So. All right. Yeah. He got my attention. I'll have to let it go. Yeah, you got to yeah. let it go. You got a good recommendation for him. Exactly. All right, so, Phil, hit us with... Your biggest gripe that you have right now, all right? You, I mean, you have the iPad out here. How many how many gripes do you have listed on this bad boy? I have a giant scroll of it. Yeah, right? Actually, I don't have as many gripes as most fans do. A lot of fans are, are and you guys did a show a couple a couple weeks ago about it. The continuity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Ravens have missed the playoffs four out of five years. Everyone right. knows that. Everyone listening knows that. Um, you know, promoting uh, Wink Martindale and then you know keeping Marty Morningweg on after a year that they had this season. Fans are just upset. Fans want something different. Different, and they see the teams in our division. They see uh, some of the offenses around the league and what they can do. And then you know, it's it's tough to watch the Ravens. If I wasn't a Ravens fan, I would not watch the Ravens. You know, <laughs> right. it's it's tough sometimes. They're yeah. not fun to watch, uh, and they need some playmakers. But I think it goes back to. The coaching staff, people aren't happy with it. I, I'm a hardball fan. I think he's one of the top five, top ten at the at the worst coaches in the league. Um, but you know, we're we're spoiled. Ravens fans are spoiled. 
Um, just like I'm spoiled, this iPhone here has worked for me for 10 years. Yeah. It's never not worked. So when it stops working, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> right. The Ravens have been so good for so long that now that they're, you know, not making the playoffs very frequently, people are upset. And, yeah. you know, it's... You spoil us with being good for so long when you're not, it's, we're not going to be happy. I can sense that and feel that, and I understand it. I mean, the continuity thing is definitely like an interesting question. That's why we kind of did a whole episode on that, that, that topic, because there is that sense of why. You, you look at a team like the Steelers. The Steelers have one of the best offenses in the league. They go to the divisional round of the playoffs, and then they lose, and then they make a change of offensive coordinator. Well, that's kind of unique circumstances. It, it was. That wasn't because of the offensive. But production. there are teams that are teams that make those changes. I mean, the the, the Titans went and they won a playoff game. Yeah. They changed. They fired their head coach. So like, there are teams that have had more success in recent years, recently than the Ravens that have made changes. And so, I, I mean, I understand the sense there. I think the one thing I said in the last episode is, Wink is a change. Like, and I think that I'm excited to see what he does. Like, I'm excited to see what he does with this defense because I think that he will have an aggressive mentality that people will like. Yeah, I'm going to hold off judgment. Yeah. I don't know anything about him, and I'm sure the, the press conference later today, you guys are going to ask him about his time in Denver. Sure. Uh, we talked about it during our fantastic lunch. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he didn't have the best uh, players to work with. He had an aging Dawkins and uh, Champ Bailey back there in the secondary, so I think he's got much more talent here to work with here, so I'm hoping, yeah, like I'm hoping it's something different because it's been the defense the last two seasons on the last play where we need them to stop, and they haven't got it done, and this defense was much improved this year, but, you know, we you can't come up with plays like you know in crunch time. It's the making making and breaking your season. That's what yeah. that's what it's going to be. I, I one thing that you mentioned that I agree with is uh, this team needs to be more fun to watch. I think it's time for that. You know, we need some playmakers. It, it was man. all it was all in on defense, right? And I I get it, and I and I think uh, you know. Rightfully so, Baltimore is a fan base and a city that's built on defensive football. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all taken pleasure in that, right? Yep. And I think that the, the bet this year was make the defense really good. And it, and it wasn't football decisions oftentimes are made to win games, not necessarily with the fan. Of course. You know, winning is what really helps fans the yes. most. Yes. That's what attracts fans. But... Um, you know, so it was really an emphasis on improving the defense, and my thinking was, all right, if the defense can be dominant, then this team's going to be really fun. And the offense can be good enough, right? And the, but that meant the offense had to be good enough. The well, offense can't be the worst in the league like it was the first half of the season. It's just not palatable. It, it just turns you off. So if, I think if the offense is like okay, mm-hmm. and and if it can get some playmakers even be even better, like yeah. when we had Ray Rice. When Ray Rice was here, he was a dynamic playmaker that you kind of you wanted to come sit. Yeah, you didn't. I mean, he could bust a run for a touchdown exactly. at any point. And I think they were hamstrung this year with, you know, Danny Woodhead was a big pickup, and he got injured on the first drive of the season and was out for seven or eight weeks. Jeremy Macklin was a huge bust for us. I mean, a very talented player everywhere he's been and just really didn't produce. And I think Perriman's a big one. Perriman, everything we heard from every player on every interview, on every article you guys wrote, was that the coaching staff loved him. He was looking great. And he took a huge step outwards. 2016, he was actually pretty good. I think he had 40-some catches, yeah. 500, mm-hmm. 600 yards. Yeah. You know, he was trending upwards. But I, I just don't know if it's a lack of confidence. But, yeah, you got you got to get some players in here that can – you know, I hate to say fantasy football mentality, but that's what fans want to watch. I mean, you're, you're asking people to spend their entire day. They get up early, they tailgate, they're not leaving the parking lots until, at best, five or six with so much traffic and stuff. You're devoting a whole day to go see this team. You want it to be entertaining. You know, I'm not yeah. going to go see a movie over and over again if it's not fun to watch. You know, that's the name of the game. No, yeah, I completely agree with you. And I, and I think that that will be, 
in large part what the strategy is this season. Really, if you just look at it logistically, the defense could probably line up and play right now. I mean, in terms of guys that you have coming back, the offense is clearly not the case. So I I think a lot of work is going to be put into that. And and that actually leads us to, we have a bunch of fan questions here. We do. So it's not just, Phil, you're the representative. Yes. But we want to hear (laughs) You have some delegates, right. So this one comes from Cakes Mitchell. Cakes Thank you very much also for your first name. Follow him on Twitter. He yeah, is right? Great. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to roll into this audio question from Cakes. Hey, Ryan and Garrett. This is Cakes Mitchell. And my question for you guys is that if the Ravens do draft a receiver high up in the draft, whether it be Calvin Ridley or someone else, do you think that puts a nail in the coffin for Brashad Perriman becoming a number one receiver? So, yeah, so Cake wants, Cakes wants to know... If you draft a wide receiver, is Brashad Perryman basically done? Uh, my feeling on this is that Brashad's status doesn't have that much to do with what the Ravens do elsewhere. Like, I don't think that his role is going to be predicated on whether the Ravens draft a receiver in the first round or the second round. Like, the Ravens are going to the Ravens are going to draft at least one receiver, maybe two, and they are going to add at least one receiver, maybe two, in free agency. You, I mean, the only guys that are on this team going into next season right now are Chris Moore and Brendan, Brendan Iamadejo, Quincy Adeboyjo. All right, mm-hmm. so that's it. That's it. Mike Wallace, free agent. Macklin right now is on You're the not team. Sure. We're not sure. Campanero's free agent. So my point is they're going to add guys. And so Brashad, I think he's coming in. He's going to have to earn his spot regardless of what they do. He's 24 years old, man. Yeah, like, mean, he, he's he's going to have to earn his spot. Like, yeah. I don't. Now, still I don't young, think that's that, what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I think he still hopefully has something to show us, you know, and I think he's earned at least a chance to make the roster next year. So, But, but yeah, the expectation I, to me is, my, my point is, he's going to have to come into training camp next year and have to earn his place on yeah. the team. Oh, for right. sure. And the question Regardless, is really right, specific to being a number one wide receiver, right? So to me, coming off of last season, his Perryman's second season, the Ravens really kind of pushed all the chips into the center of the table on Perryman mm-hmm. this year. And they said, we're going we're gonna to make this guy a starter. We're going to give him the shot to be a starter opposite well, Mike Wallace. Now, they signed Macklin. Yeah. They, they, they signed Macklin late, so they kind of hedged their bets because Perryman got hurt. They added Macklin. They kind of added an insurance policy, right? But Perryman still got his opportunities at the beginning of the season yeah. for sure. Now, he also got hurt, so that put him behind the eight ball. But I, th- I kind of disagree with you, Garrett. I-, I think that if the Ravens do draft a, a first-round wide receiver, right, and let's say they draft they sign somebody in free agency, Brashad Perryman might start training camp and minicamp on field two, working with the second-team offense. But he could be on field two even if they don't add. They're going to add somebody. He could be on field two regardless. It depends on when they add that person. I think if they were if they were to start right now, he's probably on field two right now. I mean, no. that's probably where it is. I don't think if, so. If they, if they bring back... If they bring back Mike Wallace you, and they bring back Campanero. You're in a position where he still has, kind of to what Phil was saying, he still has enough potential where you have to give him some opportunities. If they draft a first-round run receiver and that guy needs to be ready to go week one, that guy's going to take some of those opportunities, practice opportunities away from Perryman. So if Perryman comes out here and he is on field two and they start out there in minicamp, and the OT, and OTAs and, and he's training camp, and he's lighting it up. And he's then you get it. the move to field one, baby. Right, and so... And so to me, it, it's all about him. It doesn't matter what the Ravens do elsewhere. It's to me, it's all about him. It's always been all about him. It's but it stinks that we have to rely on that because since 2012, we've drafted one receiver in the first three rounds, and that's been Brashad Perriman. You look yeah. at a team like the Steelers. I mean, think of all the receivers they've produced. The Steelers have made Mike Wallace, 
Heinz Ward, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, even go back to Plaxico and Antonio, uh, Brown. Antonio Brown, I mean the biggest one. Uh, just name after name every year they take somebody. So I mean, in today's NFL, I know you want to build on defense, but you gotta you got to focus on offense to compete with these teams. Did we name Martavis Bryant also? Martavis no, Bryant. I forgot about, I do. Sammy Marcus Coates. Wheaton. Sammy, Sammy Coates was well, another one that yeah. didn't really pan out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think the Steelers have done an excellent job of A, fire, firing bullets at the position. And B, you know, not every single one of those guys panned out. But when you fire enough bullets, some are definitely going to pan out. And Antonio Brown is obviously, that's kind of the anomaly of the situation, of considering a lot of teams, including the Steelers, passed on them for five rounds. Yeah. Um, but uh, And they've done a good job of developing these guys. So I, I think the Ravens have to, they have to take more shots. They have to take more shots early. Mm-hmm. Perryman, what's, what hurts about Perryman right now is, that was a shot. That was a big shot. You use a first-round pick, and it wasn't only that that first-round pick was really a, a waste for his first season because he was injured all year, but then it, he did just enough in his second year to make it tantalizing enough to give him a good shot his third year, of which didn't pan out. So yeah. it kind of set yeah. the offense back this year as well. Yeah. So it's like been three years where you didn't really get enough out of a first-round pick, which is a major investment. So yeah. now it's almost like you're in a position where you have to – you know, it, you know the, the picks there were Perryman and, and KC the next year in the second round. And here we are, two or three, two slash three years later, and we have the same needs, right? Wide receiver and inside linebacker. Yeah. And, and that's not the position you want to be in. Yeah, there's a lot of questions about this. I mean, we just got on this topic, but I'm looking at the questions that we have from Twitter, and there's a ton of people that are asking essentially the same question is, why? what do you do to solve the wide receiver position? And, and what's the fix there? I mean... I kind of look at it, Ryan, we have talked about this, like I look at wide receiver in a similar vein as I do cornerback last year. I was just going to say that. Yeah. The Brandon Carr thing. Yeah, bringing a veteran guy. There's, I mean, let's just look at the list. There's Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson, Sammy Watkins, Eric Decker, uh, Terrell Pryor coming off a bad year, Marquise Lee. There's a ton of guys out there that are can be had for pretty inexpensive costs. I don't know. Landry's not going to come cheap, I well, can tell you true. that much. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's going to be, you're going to have to break the bank for him. Yeah, Allen Robinson probably ain't going to be cheap either. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to get any of those top. I bet it's going to be another guy I that gets cut. I think they should. I think it's going to be a guy who gets cut. Yeah, yeah. My wish list would be a guy like Jarvis Landry, pair him with a first or second round receiver, and give Joe. I mean, I've, I've been the biggest Joe hater over the last couple of years, but I couldn't this year. I mean, he had nothing to throw to. Mm-hmm. And when he was, the guys were dropping balls left and right. And he was coming off an injury. I mean, there were so many things to discount, you know, the offense with. I think you've got to give this guy, if he's, you know, if he can ever get over this elite moniker and, and the contract and all this stuff, that's another thing fans are upset about. They keep bringing up this contract, you know, right. it's, but it's, you know, it's par for the course. I think you have to give him some, some elite weapons. Yeah. I mean, you look at the weapons that, that other teams have, you know, compare it within the division. There's A.J. Green. There's Antonio Brown. You can None of these guys the would start for the Browns. Yeah. I mean, the Browns have a better tight end, <laughs> mm-hmm. running back, and receiver two receivers than we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they yeah. didn't win a game all year. Yeah, you, so. there's definitely a void uh, at the playmaker area. I mean, so that actually goes to this question about free agency, which I think is an interesting topic. Marty Teller asked this question on Twitter, and Marty's question was, there's a great article a week or so ago in The Ringer, I'm not sure if you guys read it, that details how smarter teams are using free agency more and more effectively into the kind of a new era of the NFL. Should the Ravens be more aggressive in free agency in terms of the areas of need? So that's where you go out and get a guy like a Jarvis Landry. Do they need to change the approach? Well, first of all, I, I do think that the Ravens actually have quietly changed their approach in free agency than they had, you know, say go back six or seven years. Like everyone always says, the Ravens never make a splash. They never make a splash. And they kind of have made splashes. Like they went out and they signed Tony Jefferson last year. 
who was the High highest price safety. They went True. out and got Danny Woodhead on the first day. Now, like, those moves didn't pan out the way necessarily that you'd, like, expect. You know, Woodhead missed most of the season, and, and Tony had his struggles earlier in the year. But, like, they had fired those bullets. Eric Weddle? Eric Weddle was before. a big yeah, one. I think offensively, when you and offensively, some, veteran, some veteran guys, they just reach for some older wide receivers who were just a stopgap. You know, Steve Smith was awesome for us, and I wish he was a Raven his entire career. Yeah. But he only played two or three seasons here, then you have to replace him. And to keep doing that, you're going to strike out every once in a while. And, and to go back to the draft picks, and that's why free agency is so valuable. When you look at Arthur Brown, Correa, and Kafusi and Perriman, and Matt Elam, if half of those guys work out, mm-hmm. you know, half of those defensive players work out, this defense is another level, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, then you don't have to spend money on the Weddles and Jeffersons of the world. As much as I love those guys, yeah. you can d- invest that into a receiver, and then that just it just kind of snowballs. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you hit on Elam and, say, Terrence Brooks, who they drafted, I yeah, think, the next yeah. year, then you don't need Weddle and Jefferson, and then you can go and get that receiver. Yep. So, like, I- I'm kind of interested to see if the Ravens do jump into the receiver big spending market this year. Like, they don't have a ton of cap space, so it's going to be tough yeah, to get a Jarvis tough. Landry. If he wants 14 or $15 million, like, that's the Ravens are probably that's out on that. Ravens right. are probably out on that. Well, what was Wallace last year? He was 9 or 10. Mike Wallace? Mike Wallace. Well, no, Mike. Because they picked up his second option. Yeah, I think he, he ended was, up he was pricey. around 7. Was it around yeah, 7? Yeah, he was around 7 last year, which, I mean, you're talking double for right. Jarvis Landry. If it was yeah. 7, then that's yeah. double. Yeah. It, it's tough. I mean, this team is is it's paying for Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco ain't cheap. To kind of your point before, yeah, yeah. and but there, you know, I get that all the time too. When I hear from fans, is well, we pay Joe so much, blah blah blah. And I, Joe has, you know, for what he's gotten paid, he hasn't played up to that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any arguing that. You yeah. know, he gets paid to be a top five quarterback or like a top five quarterback, and he hasn't played like a top five quarterback. But there's no other alternative, right? No. Like, the Ravens weren't going to let Joe Flacco walk after the Super Bowl season and go with Tyrod Taylor. It w- that would have been insane. Yes. And, and that's just the, that was the going rate for what a starting quarterback, especially one coming off and winning a Super Bowl, who you're like, wow. It was a perfect that, storm. Yeah, it was a perfect storm. And, and now the Ravens, they had no option but to, to extend him. You really had to because they couldn't keep paying that contract in the latter years of it. It was Mm-hmm. Outrageous! It would have yeah. totally hamstrung you for three years. Yep. So they had to roll it over, and you know it takes up a good amount of the salary cap. Yeah. Now I think that if you put better weapons around Joe, to our point, if you invest to get some ch- younger, cheap options, then Joe can perform like what you're up to par for what you're paying him. But it hasn't happened yet. No, and I mean, you look around some of the quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. I would much rather have Joe than 15 of the 32 whatever quarterbacks, and. Uh, uh, after the first half of the season, I think he looked pretty good over the last mm-hmm. eight, seven or eight games. So, you know, hopefully we can hang our hat on that and our boy Marty can uh, bring it home. Yeah. Well, big, big Marty fan. Well, while we're, talk- while we're talking quarterback, how about this one? Here's an interesting thought, and this question comes from uh, from Twitter, H211E19. So remember that one. Computer. <laughs> Great call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think if we draft <laughs> Baker Mayfield... That will re-energize the fans. The city needs new energy, just like Ray Lewis had for almost two decades. So Baker Mayfield at number 16. You're going to have to spend a first-round pick, obviously. Yeah. He's not going to play this year, maybe not even in 2019. So How, how much that? energy is he bringing on the bench? <laughs> exactly. He's going to sell some jerseys, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but he's not going to help us win games in the immediate. I mean, I do think we should draft a quarterback mm-hmm. um, because I think they've drafted two quarterbacks since Joe got drafted. And Tyrod and Keith Wenning. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. yeah to have somebody I mean look what the Patriots are doing I mean you yeah. get money Kenny uh, Jimmy G is getting uh, paid yep. out there in San Fran and 
if you draft a guy and develop him, for, even if he doesn't start for us, you can ship him off. Or they flip those picks for for quality. Yeah. They've done it throughout yeah. the, Tom Brady's career. Now, yeah, Bengals will probably do it for uh, McCarron. McCarron, yeah, yeah. They try with McCarron. The Patriots have done it. They did it with Matt Castle going all the way back to him. They did it with Brissett. They did it yep. with Jimmy Garoppolo. They've done yep. it with Ryan Mallett. So yep. like they flip those guys. Osweiler's changed oh. hands now a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Browns got a pick for him. But yeah. first round is is too rich. And as much as yeah. I like Baker Mayfield a lot, but I don't think you can. This team is needs to. You know, before we rebuild or do something crazy, you need to give as many weapons to Joe and, and add as many defensive pieces as you can to this team. Joe can't throw passes to Baker Mayfield, so I'm going to have to rule that one out. No. Right, and, and there's still questions about whether he's he's going to work at the pro level. Like He was exciting, and I watched a number of his college games. He's fun to watch, but there are still legitimate questions about whether he's going to pan out at the pro level. The other thing, too, is like this team – is not if you go Baker Mayfield, I think that's a rebuilding process. Yeah. Like that's oh, where yeah. you are, and and this team is close. Like they they are, and I think fans probably get tired of hearing like the one play away, and I get tired of saying they're one play away from making the playoffs, but they were one play away from making the playoffs. Like that's right. the thing that yeah, I kind of. But struggle. I'm going to go back to my sorry to keep cutting. Yeah, you're off. good. You're good. Um, we beat seven of our nine wins were against backups. Yeah. Or or uh, rookie quarterbacks. So I mean. The schedule yeah, gets, soft schedule. Yeah, the schedule gets a lot tougher next season. Yeah, so. but here's the thing. I I agree with that, but there's going to be injuries next year. Oh, yeah. Right? Sure. So, like, everybody's, like, looking at it, and you're like, well, you're going to face this, 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 and this quarterback next year. One of those guys is probably going to get hurt, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Or, like, their stud wide receiver or running back is going to get hurt. Like, mm-hmm. every year that's going to happen. Um, so, but I, I agree with your point. I also think, I think right now that this team is kind of caught in a place I mean, heck, it's been almost like since the franchise's existence. When is how many years have there been like thirteen and three years around here? Yeah, it's like even the Super Bowl year. I mean, Ravens. I think we got off to a pretty strong oh, start that, that like year, and then kind of cruised down. Then they lost four out of five, and then they lost four right. out of five. But there have not been many instances like that. It's always been the Ravens have not been one of the New England Patriots like elite teams like the Colts were with Peyton yeah. Manning, where every year you just bank on it. You're in the playoffs. Hey, we're probably in the divisional round playing. Yeah. for the AFC Championship. And right now, in particular, it's almost from the beginning of the Harbaugh era, there's been, it's a little bit below that, right? Where you're in this 8-8, eight 9-7, eight, you're always scratching and clawing for every tiebreaker, and we're always looking at all that stuff. Yeah. And, and to get to a place where you're not putting the season on one play, because that's not a position where you want to be. No. You don't want to be in that, because you're going to win some and you're going to lose some, and the past two years, they've lost both, yeah. right? So this team needs to take a step forward to where you're not going into a Week 17 matchup against a hungry Bengals team or whatever, or team looking to send Marvin Lewis out or whatever they were, and and praying that you can beat this team. You know? yep. So whatever the step that is, I think this year it's improving on offense. That's that's the next step for this team. Yeah, you're right. I don't. Th- I mean, I remember 11 and five year here and there, but right. I don't think anything better than that. And what, what was the record in 2014? Everybody looks at 2014 and you're like, well, that was a great year. The Ravens went to the playoffs. Well, they went 10 six. 10 and six. Yeah. yeah. Right, so if 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 uh, what's his name Kennedy breaks up that pass and isn't out of position, you know what the Ravens' record is this year? They're ten and six, 10 and, six. and they're on the road in the right. wild card round. Just exactly. Like they were that so you're, so like you look at this season, how much worse was it than the 2014 season, where people tend to look back and romanticize it, right? Like, yeah. oh, we were so good in 2014. Yeah. That team wasn't really that much better than this team. Well, no. but you went and you won a playoff game, and that's right. The difference. I agree. So like, like, but are you telling me the Ravens couldn't have beat the the Titans? Couldn't have beat the Chiefs. This oh, year. I agree. I, mean, I agree. I agree. And that's, yeah. I think, part of what makes it so painful this year. Is yeah. I think everyone watched those agree. games. Um, but you, you just have to be careful not to label this team, I think, as a bad team, 
right? They're not a good enough team to where you're in a position where you're, you can relax a little bit down the stretch and not sweat out every single game and yeah. every single season. Yeah. But you're, you're right in the mix, and it's a big lump of teams that's right in that playoff mix. And so they got to get over that hump. Mm-hmm. That's why I think this offseason is key. I mean, make, making some big-time splashes in free agency because, yeah, I, we're, it's a neck-and-neck neck with like a group of six or seven teams here. So to, to get past that hump, I think you're going to have to bring in some fresh blood. I don't think you know, the draft picks that we have, I don't see anybody on offense really stepping up. I don't see any of these tight ends. I think Watson will probably retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I'm a huge Max Williams fan, but I don't think he's – I think Nick Boyle is probably the best one we have. Yeah. And you look at a wide receiver, we talked about that. You got Kenneth Dixon coming back. And our, and our best off, you know, offensive player is a guy that we picked up off the scrap heap. I know. Alex, Alex Collins. I yeah. mean, <laughs> so it, it's going to be – it's going to be – I don't know. I, but every Ravens season I can remember has been like – you know, it's been – a gritty, a gritty team. Right. So. Here's what I think it comes down to. I, I think that for this team to to completely kind of rebound, be back in the playoffs, win a playoff game or two, they need to hit the draft out of the park, and they need to have a Saints-like draft. I mean, the Saints last year, they get Marshall Lattimore, Defensive Rookie of the Year. They get Alvin Kamara, Offensive Rookie of the Year. They get all these guys. Like, Ramcheck. Mm-hmm. So, like, they get – Five guys who are playing significant roles for their team, and it changed their season around in a hurry. Then you can use free agency to fill certain needs, but you need to have you need to get to have this draft and get like three guys on offense that are producing. You know, yeah. like maybe you get an offensive lineman and you get a receiver, and also you're feeling a lot, or yeah, a pass catching tight end. end. You say you get say you go get that's just you know dream scenario here. Let's play it out. You know, you get. Calvin really in the first round, you get a stud pass catching tight end in the second, and you're like, all right, this is pretty exciting now. You yeah. know, things can change. Yeah, that, that's actually to a question we got an email uh, from Robert Halbert. Halbert. Tell people how they can email us. Ah, the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. So Thank you very much, Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Robert says, uh, I guess it's time to get over fourth and 12 finally. Let's just say the Steelers' loss definitely helped. My question is, what do you think the Ravens can do to ignite the fan base again? Splashy Ooh. free agent signing, draft a playmaker, etc. That's why I'm glad I was about to ask you guys a similar question. How much, and I'll ask you guys a question on top of that, how much has the attendance issues, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. been brought up around here? I mean, obviously, Nick uh, DeCass sent a letter out to the season ticket holders. We still haven't had the uh, end-of-season, you know, stay the Ravens press conference, but, I mean, is it a, a big issue for these guys? Well, well start out on the yeah. season ending. Yeah, yeah every, we, one question we probably got more than any other is, what's the deal with the season ending the state of the Ravens press conference? We don't know. So, until we don't get the calls from Steve to say, hey, when should the state of the Ravens be? So, you know, that's... that's it's above our pay grade. That's above our pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> so, when we so, find out, we will definitely let you know. Yeah, so when, yeah, when we know what the deal is with that, we'll let you know. Um, and then in terms of the attendance stuff, I mean, like, people see it, obviously. You know, Dick's letter, he pointed out that the no-shows were up, and you can look in the stands. I mean, if you have eyes, you can look in there, and you can see there's people who aren't here, you know, when you compare it to previous games. So it's definitely something that people are aware of. And it's I, – what I think, though, you just have to be careful. I think that part of it is, is being a team that's more fun to watch and all that. I, I agree. But I think that, like, you, you have to be careful of – this is my personal opinion. You have to be careful of saying, like, let's just get somebody to energize a team and go get Baker Mayfield because he's going to put P- oh, fans in the seats. Oh, you can't, no. Like, the, I, used to, I grew up a Browns fan. I used to cover the Browns. And, like, that's been something that they've changed. Well, go get Johnny Manziel. He's going to fill the seats. Well, it doesn't work out. What fills the seats in a lot of ways is winning. And so that's something you've got to keep in mind. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, it's also you can get into this trap of, well, change. Change is going to fill the seats. Right. Well, I thought John Eisenberg brought this up last week. Change doesn't necessarily mean it's going to result in good change. 
You know, it can be bad change too. You talk about the Browns. Mm-hmm. How many times have they made sweeping changes? Of course. And, and what's their no shows look like? But to your question, yes, no shows are a thing that uh, we are looking at. Absolutely, uh, more than people realize. We are attentive to that. We, you know, the NFL is a business. We're a business too. We want to have a good business and and putting fans having fans come out not only is good for business it helps us win games yep. which is good for business you know we want a loud stadium yeah. so that is something that we talk about we they have meetings we're not in these meetings but there's meetings on how to make the game day experience better every single week yeah every week we talk about this like the highest paid people the biggest people in our organization get together and say how do we make it better because we really do care like we want oh, fans to come out and support the team um, and I think I think winning will primarily be the driver in that. I don't remember a time in the past where I've seen so many people on Facebook trying to sell their tickets. Mm-hmm. You know, and, then, and you know, it's I, I don't know if we need to branch out to non-season ticket holders because everything coming out from from DeCass and Bashadi is to season ticket holders, and they're the ones that are spending their you know their money up front to go to every game. But you gotta attract. I mean, I've been to a couple of tailgates, the Jimmy's Seafood tailgates, yeah. right across the street from the stadium. You can throw a rock there, and a lot of people leave. I mean, they're leaving to go watch the game somewhere else, or you know, I don't know if it's the price of tickets, I don't know if the state of the city, and there's a lot of things that go in with that. But I mean, we gotta get these casual fans back into the stadium because I mean, it's a huge difference on game day when you have a, a stadium full of Ravens fans uh, versus when it's half and half of Steelers fans, Ravens fans. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. And I think that, like, this is something that there's probably, there's probably conversations happening in 29 out of 32 NFL team headquarters, you know, just about how to improve the game day experience and fill up those seats. Like, you know, ticket prices across across the sports landscape are, are just so expensive, you know, like. And so I saw on the divisional round, I think it was Wild Card Weekend. Um, I forget what the exact stat was, but... Every game, I believe, on Wild Card Weekend had seats that you could buy for under face value on the secondary wow. ticket market. And so, you know, that's happening. That's things that are happening for every team around the league. So, I mean, it's definitely something that, like to Ryan's point, that people are talking about and are working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't think it's an issue centralized here. And I also think it is. There's a football component. I think there's a whole host. I think right. viewing habits change. I think the game experience, the home experience is so good. There's the issues with the city. I think all of that, like you combine all of that, and there's this kind of this this fire um, sure. that we saw this year. Well, I think it's more of a question to you. I mean, since you're a fan representative, <laughs> what do you think? What what do fans want? You know, what what can we do as an organization that's going to bring some of those you know disenfranchised fans back it's a tough question man i mean we talked about the play on the field i think that's 80 percent of it i i don't know i mean i enjoy going to games but i can't spend and this is nothing to change i have a two-year-old now so my my situation is a little different i get two days off a week and i would have to spend one of it you know mm-hmm. drinking adult beverages and watching football which is right. fun it's fine to do yeah. i don't mind doing but it but you're not going to get the clearance to do that 16 times a year exactly <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it's tough. There's there's not going to be a, a quick fix. There's not a one answer. And I think a lot of the businesses around Baltimore have expressed the same thing that they're seeing a, de- a decline in you know people coming in. Uh, you know it's it's tough. The, the NFL and the Ravens were on top for so long. I remember you couldn't even get a ticket mm-hmm. for so long. And it's you know I'm sure like you said I'm sure it's across the board. I'm sure a lot of teams besides the Ravens are dealing with it. But uh, you know the the state of the of Baltimore City doesn't help either. People. Are, People don't want to go down there sometimes, you know, especially for night games. I, re- I really do think that a lot of it will will be helped by making the team more exciting to watch on offense. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really feel like that, that plays into yeah. it. 
you know, it, it, it is it, at times even, uh, you know, sitting in the press box and you see the offense come off the field and they're just being booed by their home fans. Yeah. Now, that happens everywhere when mm-hmm. offenses have three yeah. straight punts in a row or whatever. Yeah. But, like, this team has been a struggle to watch on offense for years. Yeah. And uh, I, I agree with you. If the defense isn't, like, the 2000 dominant defense, then it, it can be tough. Mm-hmm. So... I think that's going to be something that's addressed on the football side this year, which will help on the business side. Cool. Well, Phil, before we wrap up here, is there any other kind of parting thoughts that you have for us before we wrap things up and, and go hear what Wink Martindale has to say in no, his yeah. presser today? Not really. I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, you know, I'm going to be a fan for life. I host a, you know, I spend a night of every week hosting a podcast about the team, so yeah. I'm not going anywhere, and I, uh, I, know I have faith in this team. I think the front office and the coaching staff have shown us enough. You know, the organization as a whole has shown us that that we need to have faith because they've done it in the past and I think you know a couple quick changes and I think this team could be back where it was just it has to happen you know yeah yep. awesome well fans give uh, Phil's podcast a listen as well as Purple Rain Show you can find that on iTunes yes you can um, and so give that a, you know it's a competing podcast so that's well, an you know you uh, listen got, to us give you props on there too yeah, I'm just kidding. Kidding. <laughs> you listen to us on our way in and you can listen to the Purple Rain podcast on the way home yep. there you go so Perfect. we split the time yep. yeah alright cool well thank you Phil Thanks, appreciate man. it buddy thanks for having me absolutely yes thank you Thank you.